Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good morning, church. Hey, would you put your hands together? Help me welcome in all of our campuses. Everyone joining us via church online. Everyone joining us via podcast from somewhere around the world or even somewhere in the future, no matter how you're tuning into this message. We're so glad you're here. How are we doing this morning? Doing good? You look great. Come on, man. Hey, uh, I know many of you here at the Arena campus, but if we've never had a chance to meet, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. On behalf of Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kara, I just wanna say welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I get the privilege today of bringing the word, part two in the series we launched last week called Living Large. Everybody say, Living Large. Come on, if you were here last week, you know Pastor kicked that off real well, and uh, it's my privilege to be able to get a part two in, in this series. So why don't you turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And uh, as you're turning there, I just wanna give a shout out, a couple shout outs. I wanna thank Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry. It's always such a privilege to be able to, to bring the word to the, our church family. I always think, man, I'm always, I'm reminded, like back before I come out, I'm always just reminded by the Lord. I'm reminded that, uh, you know, here, who am I, Lord? that I would get to do something like this, but it's always, who am I, but here I am. And so Lord, use me, speak through me to your people. I hope I bring something that he, he speaks through to your heart today that's gonna encourage you and is gonna build you up in your faith and help you to uh, know him better, help your relationship with him grow and thrive, amen? And uh, it's an honor and a privilege every time I get the chance to do that. I also wanna give a shout out to my lovely wife, who this weekend we are celebrating 20 years married. Yeah, Carrie, come on, Carrie. My wife, Carrie, and my family's here. My daughters, Hannah and Raina, here to cheer me on. So grateful for you. Thank you so much. Uh, I can't be who I am without you. And uh, behind, you know, you, you guys see me, you know me. Oh, yeah. Everybody say, oh, yeah. All right, this would be the source of the oh, yeah, that you see seated right over here. Stage right would be my awesome family. They, um, they support me. They encourage me. Uh, they make it possible for me to do what I do to be able to serve the church at the level that I get to serve the church. I couldn't do it without them and their support. So thank you. I love you so much and I honor you today. Hey, uh, all right. So Luke chapter 10, I, I was going to come down there and give you a kiss, but then I would start bawling, sobbing uncontrollably, and this thing would go south real quick. So let's get to the word, right? So you got your fingers on Luke 10, but let me frame up the series a little bit for you. Uh, Pastor launched it last week with this verse. It's out of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, 25. It's in the message version. I think we're gonna have it up on the, the super scripture in the sky. Uh, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Come on, everybody say, live in large. Yeah, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Emphasis, mine. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And you may have memorized this maybe in another translation. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Yes, the word of God promises that. And pastor's message last week was large and in charge. I highly encourage you, if you weren't here, you didn't hear that message, uh, go back on the app sometime this week. Uh, give it a listen, give it a watch because he set up the whole series and he, he taught these incredible principles that all of us need as, as believers and as human beings. Uh, principles from the Bible about stewardship, about tithing, and about first fruits. And you know that tithing is the first 10% of, of all of our increase. Everything God trusts in our hands, he gives us 100%. The first 10 belongs to him. We return it to him as an act of obedience to his word. We say, God, we honor your word. It says the first 10 belongs to you. We return it to him. Well, I wanted to share with you part, in part two today kind of what to do with the other 90%. How are we supposed to live with the other 90%? And I found that in this parable in Luke chapter 10, famous parable, you, you probably heard of it, the parable of the good Samaritan. The parable of the good Samaritan. And I noticed that 
The character of the Good Samaritan and this story that Jesus tells to, to bring an illustration to a spiritual principle, that this character is bringing Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to life in his time. And I really feel like us as Christians, we should be trying to bring this verse from Proverbs. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. We should be trying to bring that to life in our time too, amen? So I'm gonna read the scripture to you as the fantastic keys play behind me. So you can enjoy this and then uh, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dig into it a bit and I'm gonna pull it apart. So let's read. In Luke chapter 10, on verse 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law, he stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this parable as a reply to that question. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus turns to the, this, uh, this lawyer, this expert in the law. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? Which one? should be our role model. The expert of the law replies, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. And I believe you would say that same thing to us, amen. For the next few minutes, I wanna speak to you uh, a little bit about how to live generous, and I want to title this message, living forgiven. Living forgiven, you see what I did there? Living forgiven, come on, let's pray. Father, we love you, thank you so much, God for all that you trust into our hands, God. Help us to, to be generous with everything you've given us to steward, God. It's such a privilege and honor to have anything put into our hands that you would trust us with resource. And God, teach us by principles and by your Holy Spirit how to manage those things. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hey, I wanna ask you a question today. How many of you, maybe one day you're getting ready for work or, or to leave the house in the morning, and you jet out of the house a little too quick, right? You get in your car, you drive down the road, maybe you're like five, 10 minutes down the road and you realize that you've left your cell phone at home. Has this ever happened to you? Yes, it has happened to me as well, right? And I bet just like me, you turned right around, went back and got your cell phone, didn't you? Because the, the thought of spending an entire day without this link to the outside world, it, it gave you hives. It might have happened to you, right? There's actually a, a term that's being researched for this. It's called nomophobia. Nomophobia, I'm not lying. You can look it up. It's not in the clinical like journals yet, but it's being researched. No mobile phone fear, nomophobia. Can you believe this? It's the fear of the paralysis that results as a result of not having your cell phone on you. And there's a million reasons why a cell phone's a great thing. Maybe it, you, you work off your cell phone. It helps you to do business. You cannot go through a work day without it. 
Maybe it's just being connected to your family and your friends and for them to always be able to get in touch with you no matter where you are. But my favorite part about having the cell phone in my hand is that I have the answers to every single question that's ever been asked in the, on the history of mankind right in the palm of my hand via Google. If I don't know what something is, I can just Google that sucker and I know exactly what it is, 100%. There it is, all right. So this works for cell phones and some things, some questions, some answers, but others it does not. Some of the questions it will work for are black and white questions or, or logical questions, informational questions like, is there traffic ahead? Yes, a faster route is available. Thank you, Siri. You're so kind to me. Man, did you see that bird over there? Look at that thing. It looks like a flamingo, but his face is like flat, smashed, and round. What, what kind of bird is that? Roseate spoonbill. Now you know, right? Man, I wonder why the, the ocean's blue. Why is the ocean blue? Light refraction and absorption in the spectrum of red. Oh, now I understand. All those kind of questions are good if you want information, but there are some things that you should not allow Siri or Google to answer. These are questions of judgment. Questions that require you to take all the knowledge and all the wisdom that you've learned and then put it into practice to apply it. Questions like, who should I marry? You decide. That's right there, I answer going out there. You decide. Your phone can't answer that question for you. Uh, which job opportunity should I take? You decide. That's what your phone's gonna tell you. You decide. I've noticed, because I'm a preacher, I notice spiritual things in all things, and I noticed that uh, there's a spiritual correlation there. There are some things that the Bible is 100% clear about. Think about the Ten Commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, don't, don't lie. These things are just clear cut in the Bible. Even the tithe, the tithe is 10%, it's fixed. We can't adjust that, pray about it, see if God will change his mind. The word is fixed, right? The tithe is a tenth, this is the 10%, right? But then when it comes to matters like generosity, you decide. How much is too much? How much is enough? How much is too little? Am I being stingy? Am I being generous? How much should I save? How much should I invest? Uh, who should I give to? When should I give? Should I give emotionally when I'm prompted or should I set out a pattern? You decide. I believe it's, it's issues like generosity where God wants us to know the, the values and the principles in the scripture, but then under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that he will lead us when and where to be generous, amen? And we see that in this, uh, in this uh, passage that I shared with you today. We see an opportunity arise for this man to be generous, to be generous of himself, to stop and to care for someone in need. And we'll see three different responses to this person in need in this parable. We'll see two of them that are, are not good responses, but then this generous man who gives generously of himself, sacrificially of himself, we're gonna see that Jesus commends him and he tells us to go and do likewise. Are you ready to pull apart the scriptures a little bit here? Come on, let's go into that passage. Let me set it up for you a little bit and before we get into the parable. It, the, the context of this parable, Jesus is having a discussion with this expert in the law. This is the Mosaic law. He's an expert and he's trying to get some clarity on what it takes to be saved, which I find fascinating because a, a person who's an expert in the Mosaic law would know, hey, just follow all the laws and you will be saved. If you follow all the laws perfectly to the letter, you will be saved. But I think just like you and I, he knows that we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect, would you agree? He knows that. He knows there's a gap between what he should do and what he actually does. And so he comes to Jesus. What must I do to be saved? Jesus says, I don't know. How do you read the law? 
He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, good answer. If you love God and love people, you're doing it right. But then, because, maybe because he's a lawyer, he's, he's looking for some clarity on one of the definitions because it catches him off guard. He knows this scripture, but he, he wants to know, who's my neighbor? Who should I love? I know love God, God is God, but, but who should I love? Should I love like my family? Should I love my next door neighbor, the entire neighborhood, community, just the entire Jewish nation, all the people of the world? Who is my neighbor? And that's where Jesus answers that question with this parable. In verse 30, he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A dire scene, for sure. The priest happens to be going down the same road. So enter our first of three characters who give a response to this person in need. A priest happens to be going down the same road, and when he sees the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, the priest, it doesn't say in the text whether he's Hebrew or pagan. He's, he's a priest, so he's a religious man. He should, wouldn't you agree, he should have some interest in the well-being of others and the well-being of this man who's in need, but he chooses to pass by. Verse 32, so too, a Levite, our second character in the story, he, when he comes to the place and he sees him, he passes by on the other side. Oh, Levite would have been a, a priest in the order of Aaron. If you're reading along with us in the, uh, the Bible reading plan, the, the chapter a day reading plan, we're getting into Leviticus. It's one of the, the books that we're reading in the Old Testament, and it talks about the Levitical, uh, the Levitical order. And this is this guy, a Levite. He would know the scriptures because he's a man who ministers to God on behalf of God's people. He knows the scriptures inside and out, full-time vocational minister of the day in God's house. And yet, he chooses. He sees the man, and he chooses to pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. A totally different response. He took pity on him. And this is where I, I wrote down kind of my first point on generosity to pull from this story. Number one, and you can write this down too. If you're not taking notes, take notes. If you're taking notes, take notes. Write this down in your phone or your journal or in the margins of your paper Bible. If you got it with you, generosity comes from the heart. Generosity comes from the heart. He took pity on him. This is also translated in some of uh, the, your Bibles as compassion. Compassion. I've spoke on this before, on cultivating compassion. Compassion, the Greek word in this, this passage, it's too hard for me to say, splegiznomai. I don't know if that's the correct way to say it. Greek scholars can correct me later. I practice it over and over again. But that Greek word, what it means is it means something that comes not from the head, but from the heart. Something that comes from the gut. Something that comes, it literally means from the bowels of a man. This feeling came up inside of the Samaritan that would not let him pass by the person in need. He was motivated by compassion to serve. And he did. He took the opportunity. He saw the opportunity and he took it. There was something lacking in the priest and the Levite who we would probably agree should have some interest in the man. But for whatever reason, they chose not to capitalize on this opportunity to serve. And Something I wrote down here, the key to being more generous isn't being more generous. The key to being more generous is to be more compassionate. There was something lacking inside of these men that caused them to walk by, to pass by. Have you ever done that? I have. 
there was something lacking in me. When I've seen a person in need, but hey, a, a, an argument starts inside of our heads, doesn't it? Something, a storyline starts inside of our heads and you talk yourself out of it. It's happened to me before and I, I know I'm reading into the story a little bit here, but I'm thinking if I'm a priest, I'm coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho, I'm busy. This road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it was, it was uh, very dangerous, it was treacherous and it was loaded with robbers and thieves. So this priest is on his way somewhere, he's got work to do, I'm thinking, he's thinking, man, I got meetings to get to, I've got people that are waiting for me, I've got people to minister to, I've got to get to them, and I think this man's as good as gone. If I, if I stop now, I, I won't be able to get to where I'm going, and I'll be late, and I'll look bad, and I'll dishonor the people. He talked himself out of it. He talked himself out of it. Or, or the Levite, he might have been thinking, wow, that guy's good as gone. He may be dead already, and, and in the, the Levitical code, I'm not allowed to go anywhere near or touch a dead thing, otherwise I will be unclean, and I won't be able to perform my priestly duties until I'm made pure by the purification rites. He's thinking, man, I won't be able to do my job, or I'm going to have to uh, go through a, a ton of work if I'm going to help this guy. He talked himself out of serving. But this Samaritan, he, he feels this rise up in his belly, and he responds, he responds. I love how the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, that each of us should decide in our hearts. We should give what we've decided in our hearts to give, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's something about it that has to rise up inside of us and cause a yes, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to give, and I'm going to give generously. It's, like I said, it's possible to give and to be generous, but not actually enjoy it. But God loves it when we respond to the spirit of God rising up inside of us. Here's the deal. God spotted us in our need. God spotted us in our despair. And God had compassion on us. Something welled up inside of God that caused him not only to take care of our needs, but to send his very best. The scripture goes, and you would agree with me if you know, that he sent his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God saw the need. He's motivated by compassion. And he does something about it. Not because he has to, but because he wants to. And that's exactly what we see in the Good Samaritan here. He responds to that, that, that uh, movement inside of him. And that's what I would say that we should all try to cultivate. It's possible to talk ourselves out of doing good. It really is. But we're, we're going to have to practice that as believers. We're going to have to practice. Everybody say practice. We're going to have to practice listening to that voice of God. If, if God's spirit rises up inside of him and tries us and causes him to show compassion on us, then God's spirit inside of us as believers should rise up inside of us and cause us to show compassion on others. Would you agree with me, church? Come on, put your hands together if you agree with me this morning. We have his spirit inside of us. He's causing us to be more and more like him. And one of those times that he can do that is when we show compassion, we respond to the prompting of God inside of us and we act. Let's go back to the, uh, to the scripture here in verse 34. Here's what Here's how the Samaritan responds. He goes to the man. He bandages his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then, the man, then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. The second thing I wrote down that I noticed about generosity in the Good Samaritan is that generosity is sacrificial. Generosity is sacrificial. There is no way on earth the Samaritan could have looked at this dying, helpless, broken man and thought, hey, anything I invest here, I'm gonna get paid back for. Are you with me? He, there's nothing in him that, that would have said, oh, I'm gonna make a profit here. All right, what had to rise up inside of him that he had to overcome was, I'm gonna give of my own money to help this person. It's gonna hurt. I'm gonna take money that I could have used for myself and I'm gonna use it on him instead. 
made me think about this as I'm, I'm sharing this message on Memorial Day. It made me think about the, the selfless sacrifice of those who have given their lives for us so that we could have freedom as a, a generous and sacrificial act to lay down your life for another. It's what Jesus calls one of the greatest acts that you can do as a human being. And so many people laid down their lives for us willingly. They went to war and they fought for us so that we could have freedom, even to meet in a place like this without fear of, uh, of having the doors busted down and having our, our time broken up. I'm telling you, it's a sacrificial giving, a generous sacrificial act that we could even be gathered here today. And let me tell you this, I think it's a mistake for us as, as believers to think that generosity is not gonna hurt. I think a lot of times we can trick ourselves into thinking that, oh, well, you know, when I get enough money that I won't feel it when I'm generous, that's when I'll give. That's not true. That's not true. A generous spirit happens to us and rises up inside of us no matter how much you have. You can be generous with very, when you don't have very much. And like I said earlier, you can also have a lot and not be very generous. You can give and hate every minute of it. You can be generous and not have a generous spirit. Are you with me? All right, so you gotta remember, you gotta remember, generosity is sacrificial, it's gonna hurt. I always think about 2 Samuel 24. David said this, he says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Mic drop moment. David drops the mic after that because he had somebody that was willing to give him a bunch of resource to sacrifice. Uh, take my space, take my animals, take all my, take all my resources. You're the king, take it and you can sacrifice. I'll donate it and you can sacrifice it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God a burnt offering that costs me nothing. I want my sacrifice to feel. I wanna feel it. I wanna know that it's coming from me and I'm giving it up for God. That's David's attitude. Generosity is sacrificial. The other thing I wrote down, from the Good Samaritan here, how he's living large. Generosity is extravagant. Did you see that? Generosity is extravagant. This guy had this generous spirit. He doesn't do just, just barely enough to get by for this person in need. He goes over the top. He not only takes care of his immediate needs, but he gets him to help, gets him to safe shelter, and pays for him to recover. Even into the future, he says, anything that this guy needs until he's fully back on his feet, I will pay for myself. How about that? He goes over the top. Church, come on, man, don't we serve a God who has that same heart inside of him. He does infinitely above anything we could ever ask or imagine. According to his riches and glory, not our riches and glory, he blesses us, right? According to his resource, not our resource, he blesses us. He goes over the top in everything he does. He doesn't just give us life and godliness. He gives us resources to steward, and he gives us love, and he gives us hope, and he gives us joy, not just in eternity, but also here on earth. He gives us a, a purpose and a plan to live for, things that, that are, are priceless, in, to mankind. He gives us those things freely when we receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Come on. Our God is extravagant, and so we should be too. Amen? And finishing out this story, here's how Jesus closes it up. Man, we got three people to choose from. Do you want to be like the priest? Do you want to be like the Levite? Or do you want to be like the Samaritan? He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise, go and do likewise. And I think that's Jesus' voice speaking to us again here today. Go and do likewise. Let me give you three ways that you, Celebration Church, can go and do likewise. I'm a practical preacher. I'll always give you scripture, man. I'm gonna pull apart the scriptures for you, but I'm always gonna give you practical application points because that's just how I roll. Are you good with that? 
Let me give you three things I'm gonna tell you. You've heard these before, but there are some things we need to read over and over again and we need to constantly keep in front of us and I think this is one of them about generosity. Man, you could look at me and be like, why do you always read the Bible? You've read it before. I know, and I need to read it again today. I need to read it again tomorrow. I gotta keep reading. There are other books and different things that I always keep in front of me, different messages I listen to over and over again to make sure those things are deep in my heart and this is one of them. It's about generosity and it's, generosity is easily put into practice by giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Don't shut off if you've already been to Growth Track and heard that. All right, stay with me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack it a little bit better here over the next few minutes, but your time, your talent, and your treasure. First of all, your time, giving of your time. Again, I spoke on this uh, not too long ago. It was uh, Easter week, remember Kindness Week? And I spoke about, man, we're gonna cultivate con- compassion and we're gonna make margin. <laughs> I was almost gonna test you, then I figured nobody'd have their notes in front of them, but uh, you store that in your mind, didn't you? We're gonna make margin in our time and our schedule. We're gonna make uh, time so that we're not in such a hurry all the time. Hey man, how you been? Busy. We gotta make margin in our schedules to be able to serve people in need. I'm sure that the Samaritan had somewhere to go. He's on a road from somewhere to somewhere, a dangerous journey filled with robbers and thieves. He had somewhere he had to be. He wasn't on a nice a power walk or a stroll. He had somewhere he needed to be, but he allowed for that interruption, that moment to occur in his life where that compassion rose up in him and he was able to give generously. And here we are today. We're telling a story. I know he wasn't a real person. He's a character in this parable, man, but Jesus is telling his story here today and telling you and I to go and do likewise, to give of our time generously, to be generous with our time. Uh, you can, there are a million practical ways to do this. I think about, like we talked about this in kindness week, because it was like, we're going to do random acts of kindness. We're going to buy coffee for people. We're going to, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, save them place in line or maybe wash somebody's car for them. We're going to do these random acts of kindness, invite them to Easter. Let me tell you, if you're a believer, every day is Easter. Every day is the day to celebrate the risen Lord and savior. Come on. Every day is Easter, not once a year. So every day is kindness week. Every day we're looking for opportunities to bless people in need. Maybe God's, I'm believing that God's gonna bring somebody across your path that you can bless with your time this week. Sorry you came to church this, today and heard that, but I'm speaking prophetically over you. You're gonna have an opportunity to serve somebody with your time this week. Come on, maybe somebody needs a visit in the hospital. When is the last, man, you got somebody you know in the hospital, you better go see them this week, man. Just bless them. You don't have to have training for that. You just need time, right? Same thing, you go visit like somebody you know that's an elderly person, maybe in a nursing home. Go visit them, spend time with them. It doesn't take long, just go spend some time with them. You will bless their socks off. Are you kidding me? Take something to somebody in need, like a, a meal or a gift card, and just stop by and encourage somebody. Hey man, I brought you, I brought you a gift card. To, I, I couldn't cook, so I brought you a gift card to go out to dinner, man. I love you. I know you're going through some stuff. Can we pray together? This is easy stuff, but it takes time. Be generous with your time. Second thing you need to be generous with to put into practice what we're seeing today is to be generous with your talent, with your talent. Hey, where's my dream teamers at? Come on, make some noise, dream team. Oh, yeah. Come on now, I love our dream team. If you don't know, are you new to the church? Our dream team is everyone on a serving team, a lead a serving team, or they lead a group. And this is really the heartbeat of our church. Our desire, our heart's desire is that everybody in the church would be on the dream team because this is how Jesus is a dream. Uh, to fulfill Jesus' dream, you need a team. You know, we need, we need it as a church. We're a very active church. We're a very mobilized church serving uh, people in need. And that takes talent, right? And I love our dream team, but I want to push it a, a little bit further. I realized I was praying about this. There's something that was stirring in me. I wanted to share it with you here today. And that's that uh, mature believers disciple younger believers. Mature believers disciple younger believers. It doesn't, it's not pastors disciple younger believers. Mature believers Disciple younger believers. And your homework on this is read Titus chapter two. You'll read all about it. But mature believers disciple younger believers. It's what we do. 
It's not just to, to join a team and I serve or I attend a group and I, I'm going, kind of going through life and things are good and you're growing in that process. You want to know the next step in your journey? Man, you got to lead a group. You got to mentor some people. You got to take some people under your wing and bring them along with you. I always think about Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, how he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Remember that famous passage, follow me as I follow Christ. This was his attitude. He brought along young leaders, young pastors. He, he trained people up in the gifts and the callings of God on his life. And that's not just because he was Paul. It's because he was a Christian. All right. I don't mentor people in my life because I'm a pastor. I mentor people because I'm a Christian. The reason I got a job as a pastor is because I was mentoring people and preaching the gospel and living the gospel and loving God every day of my life, and then somebody hired me. It was amazing. I don't know why it happened. It was the call of God on my life, you know? But uh, that was just, I don't do this stuff because it's my job. I do it because it's, it's who I am. And so I want to, being on the dream team is, is the next step. But then the next step after that, come on, man, be a mentor. Take somebody on your wing. I want to speak over the men. We've got the Promise Keepers event coming up. That is just the start, man. I believe that God has a call on some of your lives to mentor the young men of Riot and Sub 30. If we want to be a next generation church, we're going to have to have a church filled with mentors, mature believers. Yeah, we reach a lot of new believers. Of course we do. There's an anointing on this house to do it. But guess what it's going to take to reach young believers? Guess what it's going to take to reach the lost? It's going to take the mature believers stepping into their rightful place and mentoring all these young disciples that God God's trusting into our hands. Amen. And I believe some of you men have, you want to do this and you felt the urge, you felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do it, but you've stepped back and you haven't stepped out and done it because you feel like you're not able. You feel like you're not ready, like you don't have what it takes. I'm here to tell you today that that is a lie from the pit of hell. If you've been following Jesus five minutes, you're five minutes ahead of somebody. you got something you can share. You can bring somebody along for the journey. I'm not telling you you have to have all the answers. Just have it all right. Have everything perfect. And just every, Man, my life is this perfect example of following Jesus. I would be the good Samaritan. You don't have to be there before you mentor a young man. You pull a young man alongside of you and you share all the mistakes you've made with him. You share all the life's experience. We have an incredibly talented church filled with people who are talented in business, talented in, in marriage, and, and talented in parenting. Share what you've learned through your mistakes with the next generation so they can stand on our shoulders and do infinitely above anything we could ever ask or imagine for ourselves. Amen? That's what I'm believing for our house. It's deeper than just being on the dream team. That's the next step, and y'all are there. But now, I went through a, a course uh, called Marriage Mentors. We offer this to everyone in our church. Anyone who's passionate about making healthy marriages, especially people who are in premarital or newlyweds, we have a course that you can get certified and become a marriage mentor. I just went through it. It's not just for pastors, it's for you. So that you, if you're passionate about marriage and you wanna see our young people successful and have marriages that go the distance, become a marriage mentor and mentor some of these young couples. We'll equip you, we'll train you, and we'll connect you with them. We have an infinite number of different ways for you to get in a mentoring relationship. All you gotta do is go to Growth Track and you'll get connected in. I promise you, step four is today. It's at one o'clock. If God's chewing on your heart right now, if you feel compassion rising up inside of you to mentor a young person or a young couple, I'll tell you what, respond to it by coming to Growth Track at one. We will get you connected. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying today? I'm fired up about this. Again, I don't say this because I'm, I, don't, I would never ask you to do something I'm not already doing. Mentoring is my thing. I love it. I love taking young people along. I mentor young pastors. I mentor young people, new believers. I try to always, and not just like, Hey, I mentor some people. Like, I will tell you, I would tell, I won't say it now, but I would tell you their names. These are actual people. These aren't just a concept. I mentor people. These are actual young men that I've taken under my wing and said, I'm going to, and it looks different for each one of them, but I've made the decision that I'm going to do that. God's called me to it, and I'm going to do it. Amen. Woo, come on now. I've got a little fired up there. Can I preach? Can I preach? I go Bruno Mars on you. Can I preach? 
<laughs> hey man, last thing I wanna share with you today, you gotta be generous with your time, you gotta be generous with your talent and your talented people. I'm telling you, so much talent in this church. Oh my gosh, so many things that could help the next generation. But your treasure, obviously generosity is gonna be linked to your treasure. We're talking about living large and being generous. Now God will help you live a large life if you're, you're generous. So about your treasure, it's my privilege today, you know, uh, every last Sunday, of the month, we always give you our heart for the house update. And it's my privilege today, I thought I'd kind of weave that into the message instead of the offering today and, uh, and tell you what we got going on. So if you're new to the church, or you're visiting with us today, I want you to know that heart for the house is our over and above giving. So the tithe kind of keeps the lights on, keeps us where we're at, but God's called us to more than where we're at. He's called us to grow, he's called us to new cities, he's called us to the next generation, he's called us to uh, outreach in the United States and the community in Jacksonville, he's called us to international missions, he's called us to grow, he's called us to plant new campuses in our cities, he's called us to plant churches in new cities. That's what Celebration Church is all about. And we have all this vision stacked up to the horizon, but the way that we achieve it, the pace that we use to achieve it is at the pace of giving. Come on, man, there's a zero balance budget. If the money's not there, we don't plant the new church, right? So at the pace of giving, it dictates how fast we can do these initiatives and how fast we can grow as a church. But I wanna give you the update on just a couple of things. Uh, of course, you saw, if you're here at the arena, you saw that some things are different in the lobby, aren't they? Got a few things different in the lobby out there. We are renovating our arena kids spaces. We're renovating our arena kids spaces. We're a next generation church. We want the greatest facilities that we can possibly have to mentor and disciple our young people. You might be thinking, man, didn't we just open this building a couple of years ago? Isn't this all brand new? Well, let me tell you, I was actually the, the campus pastor when we moved into this building. And one of the things we had to do, if you remember, it was 2012 and we raised the money, we moved into this building. Uh, that was all during the, uh, the recession. Economic downturn, it was tough. We actually only built half of this building. We, we only built half of it. And one of the things that we had to cut for budget constraints, we were supposed to have three kids' rooms out there. In the elementary side, we were only able to afford to build two. And so it's been a, kind of a, a constraint to us in being able to really utilize the entire arena for the last five years has been that we, we pack out in kids. If you've got kids, you know those rooms get full and we can't fill up the sanctuary because it'll crowd out the kids spaces and make it unsafe. So we're renovating the kids spaces so that we can maximize our space here at the arena and we're doing that because of your faithful giving. Can somebody put your hands together for the next generation? Fired up. Uh, Orlando and Fort Lauderdale. Come on, we launched Orlando out of heart for the house a few years ago. They're launching their second campus is gonna be opening in August as well as Fort Lauderdale is gonna be opening in August. Fort Lauderdale, we launched last year. We spent the whole last year, all 2016, like tilling the soil down in Fort Lauderdale, sent staff and team down there, pastor preached down there all year, tilling up the soil. Man, we looked at over 200 different venues before we finally found a place that would say yes and you know what it was. It was the very first venue we looked at, the one that we knew. This is the place for us, Fort Lauderdale High, right in the middle of the, the area that we wanna be and 200, they said no, 200 places later, Fort Lauderdale High came back to us and said, we want you in uh, to have church at Fort Lauderdale High School on Sunday mornings. We said, that's Jesus. Come on, and that's gonna launch the first Sunday services. Man, they've been having groups and they've been having outreach and interest nights, go nights. They've been doing that for the last year and a half. The first service is gonna come to fruition here in the fall in August. And finally, the Northeast Florida Dream Center. Did anybody get to go volunteer at the Dream Center? We've been cleaning that place up uh, over the last few. Come on, man. I want, next time I come up here and talk about the Dream Center, I want all y'all to be able to applaud. All right, get involved in the Dream Center. We prayed for the last decade to have an outreach hub in the city of Jacksonville. And God has finally opened up the door for us uh, through a partnership we've had for years. We've been serving this uh, ministry down in the Cleveland Arms area, serving them selflessly. They have an incredible property down there. The guy who uh, was the uh, leader of that ministry uh, was older and he retired and he 
donated that to us so that we could have a space that's an incredible center for outreach in the next generation in the middle of one of the most difficult and challenged uh, neighborhoods in the city of Jacksonville. We're so grateful to have this space, but guess what it's gonna take? It's not gonna just take a space. It's gonna take generosity with your time, your talent, and your treasure to take that from being a building to be able to build the community, amen? So Heart for the House giving is a big part of that. Heart for the House giving, your generous giving is funding our outreach hub here in the city of Jacksonville. And I'm so grateful to be a part of that just like you are. Let me, uh, let me close by sharing with you just a quick Heart for the House story that, uh, that my wife and I have. I prayed about this and I talked to Carrie. I wasn't really sure, you know, should I share? I don't want you to get, like look up here and see me and be like, why is he bragging about like giving? But, but this is something I do. This isn't something we just tell you to do. This is something that we all do. Pastor Stovall, our staff, we all, we all give generously into Heart for the House. And uh, some of the Heart for the House moments that my wife and I have had have been some of the most powerful spiritual moments that we've had in our lives. I'm telling you that right now. I wanna tell you just a couple quick testimonies. One of them was last Heart for the House. Last Heart for the House, we, uh, we were praying. You know how God, I told you this before, man, God talks to me, it's always in my voice. Hey, hey buddy, hey son, how's it going? He talks in my voice. He's never like, thou shalt. You know, there's not this big thundering voice with me and God. God's always like, hey, man, how's it going, son? I'm like, hey, going pretty good, dad. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what. I want you to double your heart for the house giving this year. Like, Say what? Was that bad pizza? Did I really hear God? Double heart for the house giving. How are we going to do that? You decide, right? It's like, how are we going to do that? You decide. Well, we went to our budget. We're looking through our budget. We've been saving. We had some margin. We've been saving for, like, it was our anniversary. We wanted to go on a trip. We wanted to do some stuff around the house. We're like, man, we're going to have to, like, set that aside and set that aside if we're going to be able to, to double, you know, our heart for the house giving. But, man, God said it. We believe it. Amen. You know, so we're like, all right, let's do this. We're going to commit to it. God's going to provide another way. Who knows how, how this is going to shake out, but we're going we're gonna to do what God says. So God opens up another stream of income. After we give and started to give in our heart for the house doubling, um, God opened up a different stream of income for us. And not only were we able to double our heart for the house giving, we were able to triple our heart for the house giving and go on the trip to celebrate our anniversary and take care of the house. I'm telling you, man, hey, everybody's so busy telling me, why, hey man, why do I have to be generous? Man, what if this stuff works? What if it's true that the Bible says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed? What if I prioritize the dream center over my own house? Don't you think God's gonna take care of my house? What if the Bible's true? I'm telling you, in my experience, it does, it works. I can't tell you how it's gonna go down for you, but I'm telling you, I promise you, on the word of God, it will. Come on, and one last story about our heart for the house giving. This was before we moved into the arena. It was at the Midtown campus. I got to preach this at the Midtown, and it was real, it was surreal being on that stage again. And, uh, and thinking about the Heart for the House offerings in the middle of the recession, where we're trying to get into the arena, right? As many of you were with us. You were part of the church family at that time. We're raising, we're giving over and above, trying to get into this building. The, arena, uh, the services in Midtown were packed. We're trying to get this building built. We worked at it for 10 years as a church. And uh, I remember the Lord spoke to us about giving. It was prayer and fasting, and the Lord spoke to us about giving something that was like, like an asset to us. Where It wasn't a lot for, for some of you, but it was a lot for us about giving an asset, you know, this, this asset that we had and it hit us hard. We're like, man, if we, if we give that, we won't have that. You know, if we give that, we won't have that. That thing brings us comfort and joy and peace. Like if we give that, we won't have that thing that brings us comfort and joy and peace. And God's like, yeah, that's what I want you to give, son. Why don't you give that? We said, all right. He said, all right, and I'll never forget being up there at that altar. It was Heart for the House weekend. We were all bringing our offering. We're bringing our best weekend. We're bringing our offering. We converted it into a check. We're there together, and we're at the altar, and my wife and I, yeah, we're just 
crying. We're just bawling, just crying, like sobbing. I'll tell you right, man, it was not, it was not sadness. Those were tears of joy. And I've never felt the tangible presence of the Lord like I did that in that moment. And I heard his voice so clearly. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. He spoke that and I heard him. He said, I spoke, you listened, you believed and you obeyed and you brought that. And I'm going to make sure that that goes to good use. And I'm going to make sure that you have everything you need in return. It was one of those moments where it changed the trajectory of my life. And I want to say this to you relationships like my wife and I sacrificing together relationships that last are forged in the fire of sacrifice. When my wife and I sacrifice together, that's the stuff that makes our marriage go the distance. When we pray and we seek and we hear the Lord's voice and we sacrifice together, that's we sacrifice for God. We sacrifice for each other. We sacrifice for our kids. We sacrifice for our church. It forges our relationships together into something that will last. It creates a powerful bond amongst us when we sacrifice together. So I want to encourage you to be faithful in your giving. It's not just for you. It's for the world, but it's going to do something powerful and awesome in your life. Come on, we're going to be generous when we're prompted by the Spirit. We're going to have compassion. We're going to, uh, generosity, we're going to give sacrificially. We're going to give extravagantly. We're going to do it with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Amen? Amen. Did that help you today, church? I hope it did, man. That was my prayer that this would help you, inspire you help you see that in the Word of God. I hope God spoke to you today. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Before we go, the world's waiting for you out there. Don't worry. Just quiet your heart. Nobody leaving. Nobody moving around. Just quiet your, your heart. You got your notes there in front of you. Just reflect on them or, or reflect on what God spoke to you during this message because that's what you need to take away. That's what you need to take away. If you're here today and you would say, man, God spoke to me something in the message today. God spoke to me and I... I feel it. I'm going to do something different as a result going out of here today. I'm going to make that change that he prompted in my heart. I'm going to give the way he's, get, he's prompting me to give. I'm going to respond the way he's prompted me to respond. If, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, I hear you, Lord. I hear you, and I'll obey. I hear you, Lord, and I'm, I'm going to obey. That should be pretty much every hand in the room, huh? Come on. It's a good one. Amen. Amen. That's a signal to the Lord. I hear you, Lord. I'm going to do it. Amen. Put your hand down. I want to pray for one other group before we go today. I'm going to pray for you in a second, but I'll pray for one other group. And that's you if you're here today and you need a fresh start with God. You know you came in here and you're either in a, you're, you're, you don't have a relationship with God. You've never prayed a prayer to receive him as your Lord, your Savior. Or maybe you've been far away from him and today you want to come home. Either way, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And the Bible promises that if we confess Jesus as our Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we believe that he is who he says he is, we will be saved. It's a prayer of salvation when we believe in our heart and confess in our mouths. And that's why we lead you in this prayer is you're confessing what's already happened in your heart that you want to give Jesus. You want to give Jesus your life. You want him to be your Lord, be your savior and willing to trust him and believe him and obey him from this day on. If that's you, you're in either one of those categories where you either need a fresh start with God or you, you want to receive him for the first time. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to know who I'm praying for. No heads. Nobody's looking around. Amen. I see that hand. Come on, be bold. If you can't be bold in church, you can't be bold anywhere. I see you. Amen. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. You'll feel good leaving here if you raise your hand. I promise you. I promise you. You can put them down. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. Church, why don't we say this together and help our friends along. Just repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I love you and I trust you. I've run from you in the past and I'm sorry. 
Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit so I can follow you with everything I've got for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, why don't we all stand to our feet? I'm gonna pray for us in a benediction as we go. Father God, we love you. I thank you for your precious people, God. I thank you for touching our hearts in a powerful way, God, that we could be generous, that we could reflect your generous spirit into the world, God, that people would see your generous spirit as they see you operating in us, your people. God, help us to give of our time and our town, our treasure. Help everyone who you've called to go to Growth Track to go this afternoon. Don't let them slip away, God. Help them capitalize on what you spoke to them. Everyone who raised their hand to get saved, God, speak to their hearts. Help them come to connect and connect with us so we can give them their next steps. Speak to our hearts and help us obey and respond and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have an incredible Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.